Well, I now have the blessing and privilege of turning to God's Word for our sermon this morning. As we continue and come close to the end of 1 Corinthians, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'll be reading here verses 13 through 18. This is God's holy word once again as we know that the Lord gave this to the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Corinth. And so because it is inspired by God, it is without error. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. Let's attend with reverence to the reading of God's infallible and inspired inerrant word. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, For what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time. May he bless its reading, its proclamation, and its hearing. As we've noted before, uh, when drawing near to the close of a letter, the Apostle Paul usually gives a quick succession of instructions. We've already heard his instructions concerning a collection that was being taken up uh, for the brethren in Jerusalem in the first part of the chapter, and then last week we saw that Paul wrote of some of his plans for the future. In today's reading, we get a quick list of some behaviors that the Apostle wants to encourage the Corinthian brothers and sisters to engage in. In fact, they are interconnected concepts. Uh, There are different ways that we could parse out these verses and, and preach from them, but I think the best way here is to see their interconnection by focusing on Paul's exhortation with the words, Stand fast in the faith. The other things we see here are all things that can help us to stand fast in the faith. And so so today I want to talk first about what that means to stand fast in the faith, and then we'll see that in order to stand fast in the faith, we need to be watchful, to be mature, to be strong, to be loving, and we need to be submissive to godly church leaders. So what does Paul mean in verse 13 when he commands the Corinthians, stand fast in the faith? What's he mean by that? The verb that he uses there is stakata. In the Greek, it's to stand or stand fast. And to some of our young people, maybe you'll think that's a contradiction in terms. How do you stand fast? Isn't fast about moving? Uh, this is a different use of the word fast from a different root that, that comes from the same root as 
Think about fastening something. If you fasten something to the wall, literally when we spell it, it's fastened, right? It looks like that. Uh, you're, you're putting it in place. There's probably some etymological relation. This means a word history relation here. Uh, descending from some ancient Indo-European word, uh, there's probably a, a relationship between this, this verb stakata and our words like stick and stake. You know, like you stick to something, right? You stick something to the wall, right? Or you drive a stake into the ground, into a fixed position. In Paul's day, an army officer might issue this as a command to his soldiers, to his troops, when an enemy army is about to charge. And he would say, stand or stand fast, meaning they're not to retreat before the enemy. The soldiers would uh, dig into position uh, with the, the right foot planted a little bit behind him and the cleats of the studs or the cleats or studs, rather, of his battle shoes sort of digging into the ground. And his shield would be in front of him, held up by his left arm. You, you couldn't, even if you were left-handed in the Roman army, you, you still had to fight right-handed because your shield was on your left arm and your sword or spear was going to be in your right hand. And his shield would, would overlap those of his comrades to the right and to the left. And if they had enough soldiers there, didn't need to extend their line out depending on how big the advancing army was. Uh, they would have lines of, of their comrades behind them with their shields holding them up and helping to hold, hold them in one position. When the soldiers were well trained to do this kind of thing, when they were well disciplined, such a shield wall was known to hold off an enemy charge with the Roman army barely moving an inch. So Paul tells Christians similarly, do that. Not physically, but spiritually speaking here. Stand fast. Hold to a fixed position. Don't be moved from it. Don't be like those he speaks of in Ephesians who are uh, blown about, and tossed by every wave of wind or wave and wind of doctrine, right? You don't want to be just tossed to and fro. And the fixed position from which we must never allow ourselves to be moved is. Paul says, in the faith. Not to a hill where your army stands, not to a particular position on earth, but a position in the faith. Don't be moved from that. And notice he uses the definite article there. He says, he says the faith. The faith. So in the New Testament, when we see faith by itself, of course, it's talking about that we believe. Right. Trust in Jesus Christ. You have this particular faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you have been saved through faith. Right. You have faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore you are saved. Now when we see, though, the definite article there, when we see the faith, the scripture is talking about what we believe. A particular system of doctrine. The system of doctrine that is the basis of Christianity. The things we have to believe to know that we have true faith in Christ Jesus. The core doctrines of the church. Jude, in the third verse of his short epistle, says, Beloved, 
While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And he then goes on in his letter to talk about ungodly men who have infiltrated the church in order to lead people astray with false doctrines. So there we see the faith is that system of foundational teachings which cannot be altered without undermining the very core of what Christianity is. If you undermine those things, if somebody doesn't believe those things, then they can't really honestly say they're Christians. It's not a changing or evolving system, but one that was once for all delivered to the saints. This is why we object to the notion that Christians can believe in, in a doc, system of doctrine called neo-orthodoxy, as if there used to be an old orthodoxy, but now there's a new orthodoxy. No, the, the faith, the, the orthodoxy, the system of doctrine that we are to believe was once for all delivered to God's people. And it can't change. After we've seen in 1 Corinthians several doctrinal problems that have arisen in that congregation, the most egregious arguably being the improper view of the Lord's Supper, though there was also lack of discipline and things like that. And also we saw the rejection recently on the part of some of the reality of bodily resurrection. That was what chapter 15 was all about. Well, it's little wonder if we think about those things going on in Corinth that Paul would exhort the Corinthian brethren to do this, to stand fast in the faith. Don't let anything sway you or pull you away or push you off your position on these core basic doctrines of Christianity that I've been teaching in this letter. That's really what Paul is saying. They need not, or rather they, need, they do need to be reminded to hold tightly, you know, fastened, right? Hold fast. Hold tightly to this system of doctrine that they had learned from him and from others who taught the same doctrines. In Ephesians 6, Paul uses a form of this same verb, to stand, when commanding in verse 14 that the Ephesians must stand, therefore. In context, we read Ephesians 6, 13 through, 19, or 13 through 17. Rather. Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand, and actually that's a form of the same verb, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So standing firmly in a fixed position involves taking up the whole armor of God. Now we don't have time this morning to go into an in-depth exposition of how we employ the whole armor of God. Uh, you can find my sermon on that uh, on on the whole armor of God and sermon audio. It was, I think, the evening service of April 24th, 2022. So if you looked us up on sermon audio, you might find that, but uh, that'll give a lot more detail. But just briefly here, and there's a lot more that can be said, obviously, but just briefly here, note that being uh, properly prepared 
To stand fast in the faith means that you need to have the, the truth of God's word as your belt upholding everything else, keeping you from tripping up the way a soldier's belt girded his waist, held up the skirts of his garments, and held his sword and other equipment. You need to be adorned with righteousness to guard your heart like a breastplate. You need to to dig into your position. That really relates closely to this, doesn't it? With the preparation of the gospel of peace, being like those studded or cleated shoes that the Roman soldier had. Your fixed position is held by the peace of Christ that he has made between you and your holy creator, the peace that's made between brethren because of that gospel, the way soldiers' shoes dug, dug them into position. You need faith, you need trust in Jesus Christ as your shield, and you need salvation in Christ guarding your head like a helmet. And just as the word of God has to be the one that holds everything together like the belt on the soldier's uniform, it also is your weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. To stand fast, you're going to need those things. But here Paul ties several concepts closely to standing fast in the faith. Here are some things that you can do and that you need to do if you're going to be able to stand fast in the faith. The first thing Paul mentions in this passage is watch. Be watchful. In verse 13, Paul simply says, watch. The Greek verb there means be alert, be awake, be on guard. Mark 14, 38, watch and pray, Jesus says to the disciples, lest you enter into temptation. So watching means that we need to be watchful against temptations. So be watchful against temptations. Revelation 3, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says to the church at Sardis, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready oh, that are ready to die. I had to look at my notes with my glasses on there to make sure I said it right. So be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour I will come upon you. So notice how important watching is there. Jesus is telling the church at Sardis to be watchful against indifference, and if not, he'll come and discipline them. Don't be slow to repent. Indifferent to your sins or to false doctrines being taught in the church, things like that. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant. That's the same verb, be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be watchful against Satan and his wiles. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Be watchful against your own sinfulness as well as against worldliness. Watch. If you're going to stand fast in the faith, watch. Number two, to stand fast in the faith, be mature. 
In verse 13 in the New King James translation, we, we find be brave. The Greek word is actually andezesta. It's a, it, it can certainly have that connotation of being brave, but it, its meaning is much broader than that. Literally, it means be men. It comes from the noun for a, a grown man. Be men. Now, Paul is not saying that all Christians have to be adult males. That's not what he's saying there. Uh, there's a strange uh, heretical teaching uh, in the early church that we found among some Gnostics that thought that in order for a woman to be saved, she had to become a man in spirit. We'd have a lot of people even more confused about that kind of thing today. Ladies, whatever delusions the culture around you embraces, uh, it's not possible for you to become a man. And the reverse is true too. Men, you cannot become a woman. This is a figure of speech and it could encourage people to be courageous, as it's translated here in the New King James Version, be brave. But it has really broader applications to that. You might think of it as something kind of like the modern expression, man up. Be men. And of course, if we relate it to the standing fast, as we see the kind of military command, that you could see a military commander telling his men, be men, and that would involve bravery. But if somebody tells you man up, it might involve bravery, but it, it means also being firm in your convictions. Doing what needs to be done even if you really don't want to do it. Even if you don't feel like doing it. Might be so, something kind of like this, this new verb that kind of annoys me where people talk about adulting today. <laughs> but be grown up. Be mature. That's really what Paul's saying. You know, act like grown-ups here. Because of its connection in this passage with standing fast in the faith, we can see that, that it involves growing into a mature understanding of that system of doctrine that's revealed in Scripture. Hebrews 5.12 reads, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you, in, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. That same passage the author of Hebrews calls the recipients of his letter babes. They're spiritual babies when they should be spiritual grown-ups by now. They've stunted their own growth, he says. Well, so much as the author of Hebrews scolds his original audience for not having gained the maturity they should have had by that time. Paul says here to the Corinthians, be men, be mature. Grow up into the fullness of what you ought to be by now, understanding this system of doctrine. Maturity in the faith, maturity in knowledge of the content of scriptures, and then not just having the head knowledge, but having wisdom for its application. Living it out. That's necessary if you're going to hold to a fixed position on the core doctrines of Christianity. As men of good faith can disagree on some secondary things in Scripture and what it is, but we can't disagree on the core doctrines of Christianity or we're just not Christians. 
So be mature and stand on that fixed position thereby. Third, in order to stand fast in the faith, you also need to be strong, Paul says. That's also in verse 13. Be strong. The Greek word is krataiousta. It's in a passive voice. So we can translate it as be strong or be strengthened. Maybe that's a little better way to to read it. Be strengthened. Because it's not like I can make myself strong or you can make yourself strong. And say, uh, Can you imagine... Think about the time in your life, the sickest you've ever been. And you didn't just climb out of bed one morning and by willpower say, I won't be sick this morning. (laughs) I'm not not going to be weak at all. Well, you just can't by your own decision make yourself strong. But you can be strengthened by things that you get from the outside, by food and good nourishment, by the medicine your doctor gave you. You can't make yourself spiritually strong. But rather, Psalm 28, verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I shall praise Him. Rely upon the Lord, and seek Him to strengthen you in the faith. Be strengthened. When you feel weak in the faith, Don't try to fix yourself and then say, now I can go to God. No, go to God. Flee to Jesus Christ and say, strengthen me. Like the man who brought his demoniac son to Jesus. Tell him, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Rely upon the Lord and seek him to strengthen you in the faith so that you can stand fast in the faith. Fourth, to stand fast in the faith, be loving. Verse 14, so we've seen the side where we have to get our doctrine straight we, and we need to be growing up in a mature understanding of, do, of the doctrine and relying upon the Lord. We might forget as we concentrate on those things that love is integral to that, to standing fast in the faith. Stand, to stand fast in the faith, be loving. Verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. Just as we saw in chapter 15 that you you can't credibly claim to be a Christian while rejecting the truth of bodily resurrection. You cannot be a Christian if you do not love Christ's people. 1 John 2, 9-11. John spends a lot of time on this kind of thing. He keeps coming back to it again and again and again, especially in 1 John. 1 John 2, verses 9-11 says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The Gospel according to John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The hallmark of being a Christian that, that allows anyone else to see that you are is first and foremost the love that you have for Christ's people. A deep and abiding love for Jesus' other disciples 
You cannot even claim to be of the faith if you lack that love. In order to stand fast in the faith, then, you have to exercise that love. Be loving. And then fifth, to stand firm, to stand fast in the faith, be submissive to godly church leaders. This one can be a little more of a sticky wicket because we have to to figure out, well, when is a church leader being godly and when not? That's where some of that maturity comes in. Paul writes here about three men who were most likely elders in the Corinthian church. Paul considers them his co-laborers in the gospel. That's why we can tell that. As we can surmise from this passage, they've come to him in Ephesus. They probably are the ones who brought the letter with the questions that Paul has been answering to the Corinthian church there. So the Corinthian church has written a letter or someone written on their behalf, taken down their questions and things that they wanted. And Paul's been answering those. And these three men were probably the ones who brought those questions to Paul in the first place. No doubt they gave Paul an oral report on what had been going on in the church. And that's why he knows about all the divisions and things that he's been writing about. One of them is Stephanus, whose household, Paul says, were the first fruits in Achaia. So Achaia, or sometimes spelled A-C-H-A-E-A, some some will pronounce it Achaia. It's the region of Greece where Corinth is located. Corinth is the capital of that region in the Roman Empire. It's kind of central part of what we would think of as Greece. It's on that isthmus right between the northern peninsula and the southern peninsula. It's the region around that. In chapter 1, verse 16, we read, Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Paul had baptized Stephanus in his household. And here we learn that that was probably the first baptism that he had performed there. Because he calls his household the first fruits of those in that region. Two other men he also names here who came from Corinth to Ephesus, Fortunatus and Achaicus. In verse 15 through 18, Paul writes, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. As the Reformation Study Bible says of these verses, the, the passage commends Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, who probably had carried the letter from the church in Corinth. Paul's emphasis, especially in the words, I urge you, brothers, be subject, suggests that these men, Stephanus in particular, were appointed leaders, but did not enjoy proper respect from the congregation. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who must give account. Stop there and note Sometimes you might think, well, it's easy for an elder to tell everybody else, be submissive to elders. But the scripture here says we have to give account to the Lord for how we rule as elders. But also, as we were talking about in Sabbath school this morning, we're not on our own. We're not just a 
uh, loose cannons here. We are accountable to one another and to a presbytery and to a synod. So as Hebrews 13.17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Elders help watch over our souls. We had a case at this most recent presbytery meeting where we heard a report from a committee that at a pastor's request was formed to counsel him about something. And before the presbytery, he said, thank you for shepherding the shepherds. Elders need to be watched over also. Elders help watch over our souls, including one another's. Submission to proper authority in the church does not belittle any one of us. It actually builds us up. It makes us more like Christ, who in his human nature said to God, not my will, but your will be done. It helps to keep us from straying into bad doctrine and following after false teachers. To stand fast in the faith, we need to be submissive to godly church leaders. So our main exhortation this morning, stand fast in the faith. Hold to a fixed position on the essential core doctrines of Christianity. Don't be moved from them. In order to do that, what Paul counsels here is, watch, be on guard against temptations, indifference, Satan, your own sinfulness, against worldliness, Always be on guard so that you won't be moving yourself accidentally from this fixed position. Be mature. Grow in your understanding and application of God's words. So one, one reason for that, of course, is so you won't be fooled easily by the false teachers. Be mature. Seek God to strengthen you that you might not stray from sound doctrine. Be loving. I wonder sometimes, well, what does love have to do with doctrine? Well, everything. Love for Christ's people is the hallmark of who stands firmly in the doctrines of grace. If you really believe those doctrines of grace, you're going to have love and it will be a growing love for Christ and for his people. And then be submissive to godly elders. Be guided by them as they labor themselves for their own good and for your good to stand firm in the faith. So stand fast in the faith, that faith which Jude says was once for all delivered to the saints. Let's pray. Lord, grant that we might stand fast in the faith. Let us not be moved from that fixed position where you have planted us firmly on the doctrines of grace that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, make us watchful, mature, and strong, loving and submissive to godly church leaders. For we desire to serve you well and to hold fast to Christ, our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen.